Welcome to Bible Chapter Every Day. I'm Matthew. Our chapter today is Acts, chapter 23. Let's ask God to bless our time today. Heavenly Father, we pray as we read this chapter, we would trust in you to take care of us, that we would not worry and think that it's all on us, but yet that we would do whatever you put in front of us with the resources you give us. We pray that we would do good. We pray this through Jesus. Amen. Acts chapter 23. And looking intently at the Sanhedrin, Paul said, Men and brothers, I have lived my life in all good conscience before God to this day. So the high priest, Ananias, ordered those standing near him to strike his mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting there judging me according to the law and acting contrary to the law? Do you order me to be struck? And those who stood nearby said, Are you reviling the high priest of God? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was high priest. For it is written, You must not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now when Paul realized that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he shouted out in the Sanhedrin, Men and brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I am being judged concerning the hope and the resurrection of the dead. And when he said this, a dispute developed between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection or angel or spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledged them all. And there was loud shouting, and some of the scribes from the party of the Pharisees stood up and contended sharply, saying, We find nothing wrong with this man. But what if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? And when the dispute became severe, the military tribune, fearing lest Paul be torn apart by them, ordered the detachment to go down, take him away from their midst, and bring him into the barracks. And the next night the Lord stood by him and said, Have courage, for as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. And when it was day, the Jews made a conspiracy and bound themselves under a curse, saying they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. Now there were more than forty who had made this conspiracy, who went to the chief priests and the elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a curse to partake of nothing until we have killed Paul. Therefore now, you along with the Sanhedrin explain to the military tribune that he should bring him down to you, as if you were going to determine more accurately the things concerning him, and we are ready to do away with them before he comes near. But when the son of Paul's sister heard about the ambush, he came and entered into the barracks and reported it to Paul. So Paul called one of the centurions and said, Bring this young man to the military tribune, because he has something to report to him. So he took him and brought him to the military tribune and said, The prisoner, Paul, called me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. And the military tribune, taking hold of his hand and withdrawing privately, said, What is it you have to report to me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the Sanhedrin tomorrow, as if they were going to inquire somewhat more accurately concerning him. You, therefore, do not be persuaded by them, because more than forty of their number are lying in wait for him, who have bound themselves under a curse neither to eat nor drink until they have done away with him. And now they are ready, waiting for you to agree." So the military tribune sent the young man away, directing him, Tell no one that you have revealed these things to me. And he summoned two of the centurions and said, 
Make ready from the third hour of the night two hundred soldiers and seventy horsemen and two hundred spearmen, in order that they may proceed as far as Caesarea, and provide mounts so that they can put Paul on them and bring him safely to Felix the governor. He wrote a letter that had this form. Claudius Lysias, to His Excellency, Governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them when I came upon them with the detachment and rescued him, because I learned that he was a Roman citizen, and because I wanted to know the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their Sanhedrin. I found he was accused concerning controversial questions of their law, but having no charge deserving death or imprisonment. And when it was made known to me that there would be a plot against the man, I sent him to you immediately, also ordering his accusers to speak against him before you. Therefore the soldiers, in accordance with their orders, took Paul and brought him to Antipatris during the night. And on the next day they let the horsemen go on with him, and they returned to the barracks. The horsemen, when they came to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, also presented Paul to him. So after reading the letter and asking what province he was from, and learning that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing whenever your accusers arrive also, giving orders for him to be guarded in the praetorium of Herod. Well, that's our reading. Let's dig in. In chapter 21, the Jews had tried to kill Paul in a mob, and the Roman tribune had taken Paul to the barracks. But the tribune is trying to figure out why the Jews hate Paul at the end of chapter 22, and he brought Paul down to the Sanhedrin council. Paul gets only a few words into his defense when the high priest orders him to be struck. Paul says, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting there judging me according to the law and acting contrary to the law? Do you order me to be struck? Then one of the men there said, Are you reviling the high priest of God? And Paul said that he didn't know that he was the high priest. It seems odd that Paul wouldn't know the high priest. Maybe Paul did know that a man named Ananias was high priest, but didn't know what he looked like. The high priest was appointed by Herod, so the position changed more frequently than God had originally set things up in the law of Moses. In any case, Paul says that he must not speak evil of a ruler of God's people, quoting from Exodus 22. Paul doesn't exactly take back what he said, but is agreeing that he should not have said it because of the position Ananias held. Paul must have realized now that he will not be able to convince the Sanhedrin about Jesus. Perhaps it was desperation that he changes tactics. It was still the truth, but Paul was giving up on persuasion and reasoning and just playing on the partisan politics of the group. Paul shouts, Men and brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I am being judged concerning the hope and the resurrection of the dead. That immediately triggered the Pharisees in the group to stand by Paul because they would feel like going against Paul was a vote against the basic beliefs of the Pharisees. Probably given more time, they would go against Paul because they didn't trust Jesus. But in the moment, it was the dog whistle that brought them to attention. What Paul said was absolutely true. He was a Pharisee. He was there because he was proclaiming that Jesus was raised from the dead and that everyone could be raised from the dead as a result. There is a warning here for us. Are we into partisan politics enough that we could be persuaded in a moment by key words and phrases? Clearly, Paul is able to manipulate these people. He's using the truth, but not telling them all the facts in two short sentences. But if Paul could manipulate these people with the truth, 
How much more could we be manipulated by lies if we are into our party? We have to love the truth and take a slower approach to jumping on any hype train. In any event, this caused a major argument, and the Tribune decided to pull Paul out before it became deadly. So, once again, Paul was in the Roman barracks. But now the Tribune is getting a better idea of the disagreement and realizes that Paul is not a criminal. Then 40 Jewish men make a conspiracy to kill Paul. That is scary. Can you imagine what you would do if there were 40 men who were so serious about killing you that they would make a promise to God not to eat or drink until you were dead? But during the night, before Paul found out about the plot of the 40, Jesus appeared beside Paul and told him he would testify in Rome. So Paul has a promise that he will live through this. Paul's nephew finds out about the plot and goes and tells Paul. Paul sends him to the tribune. The tribune takes it very seriously and sends Paul to Caesarea, which was like the capital city of the area, to be kept there out of the reach of the Jews. He sends probably half of the men under his control to guard Paul on the journey, so there would be no chance that 40 men could overpower the troops. The tribune, Claudius Lysias, writes a letter to the governor, Felix, who was in Caesarea, that summarizes what has happened. He summarizes it in a way that is most favorable to himself and leaves out the part about almost beating Paul, which would have been very illegal. Felix asks Paul where he is from and agrees to hear the case. Felix was not over the province of Cilicia, but apparently feels it is legal for him to hear the case there in Caesarea. And now for a deeper dive. It seems that each chapter now, Paul is in danger of being seriously hurt or killed. But Jesus makes a promise to Paul that he will testify in Rome. What if you had such a promise in your life? What would that change? Would we take silly chances? Or would we worry less? After Paul has this promise, his nephew arrives and informs him about the plot against him. Paul has him brought to the tribune. What if Paul had ignored the nephew's warning and said he would let Jesus handle things? Well, we cannot really tell what would have happened, but Paul did what he could, which was to send his nephew to the tribune. So even though Paul has a promise, that doesn't mean that he should sit back and do nothing. Paul doesn't need to worry, but Paul should make use of whatever resources God gives him. We have some promises from God, but that doesn't mean we should sit back and do nothing. God has a work for us to do in this world, but we never have to think that it is all up to us. God is working things out. We just need to do our small part today with what God has given us. Scripture quotations are from the Lexham English Bible, copyright 2012, Logos Bible Software. Lexham is a registered trademark of Logos Bible Software.